Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. David. Hey, Rob. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. My voice is tired, but other than that, I'm doing really well. Yeah, your voice is tired. You're coming in from a different time zone. Can you just kind of orient our listeners as to where in the world you are and what you've been up to lately? Because we're, we're, we're going remote today. You're recording off-site and doing some travel. C- catch us up. Yes, I'm out in California. I have just completed recording the audiobook version of The Just Leader. So I spent three days in a studio reading my book out loud with a director and being corrected with many of the <laughs> mistakes that I made. There are a lot of words in my book that are hard to articulate, <laughs> enunciate, <laughs> particularly. I said I have p- particularly is in my book several times, and I got caught up on that word a lot this week. So I'm not going to say particularly. Try yeah, that's, to stay that's away really from funny. It. As you were as you were describing that, my mind goes to I like, the concepts are so nuanced that I didn't even understand it. That's not what you're referring. You're actually saying normal words no. that are easy to read and hard to say. <laughs> yeah, normal normal words. I get caught up, and I have trouble enunciating just in general. As we've already mentioned, my vocabulary is pretty limited. I also learned that I fidget with my hands when I talk, and the director who was with me in the studio, her sound was amplified so that she could hear any background noise, and she realized that I was rubbing my fingers together. And so in order to offset that, I had to hold a pillow the whole time (laughs) to keep my hands from fidgeting. So good news. The podcast doesn't pick up on those noises, so we can do whatever fidgeting we need while we're recording today. That's right. You should feel the freedom to just move your hands all about, right? You know, I can see you on video, but our listeners are just going to have to imagine <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. So I'm excited well, about think- it. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to come out in eight weeks about the audio version out on Audible and other places where audiobooks can be found. And as we know, so many people are now listening like to this podcast through audio. Mm-hmm. So really grateful that we can provide the book in that format. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited how that'll extend the reach for the book. I mean, even just seeing all the reviews starting to come in, it's really been compelling to you know, scroll through. I'm sure you've really enjoyed seeing the impact the book has made in the paper version. And so Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what the audio version does in the world, how that just reaches, you know, an even larger audience. So we're going to, we're going to celebrate and model the principle of what we're going to talk about today by kind of giving you a little bit of your voice a break, (laughs) but we're going to do a little role reversal for our listeners. So usually I'm asking you the questions, putting you on the hot seat. And, uh, you know, after three straight days of recording, your vocal cords need a rest, man. So we're just going to let you sit back, relax, and ask me questions. 
on on our topic today. How does that sound? That uh, sounds good. And knowing me, I'll probably jump in too much and talk too much. That's but fine. No, I, can just edit, I can edit out anything later if you get too yeah. wordy, you know, or, yeah, or yeah. You, you just stumble through particularly too many times. I'll take it yes. out in post. Yes. Well, no, I'm, t- I'm excited about what we're talking about today. It's a really hot topic that we experience with our leaders. It's We're coming back to this idea of margin because we're really pounding this idea for our leaders, not because they need it for something that is hard to, to find, hard to find margin for busy leaders. And so one of the things that we're doing now with our Just Leadership Groups is beginning to introduce this idea of a rule of life, which is a way for us to think about how we apply a lot of the principles that we're talking about in our groups and make them really come to life in each of the ways that we live our lives. So as we do that, Rob, I'd love for you to give sort of perspective of what we're talking about when we're talking about a rule of life, just to get us started. And then we'll, we'll jump into thinking about margin. Yeah, that has been an exciting development in our groups you know, over time, specifically ones that have been even meeting for many years past the original two-year commitment that have just said, we don't want to stop. Honestly, it's, some of these can be familiar conversations that you continue to have, and margin and rest is, is one of them. And we, we've talked about the concept of rest. You've shared about your sabbatical on previous episodes. So this is not a new topic to our podcast. But I think we use this word intentionally, margin, because I think it, it hints at where we're going to be going today, Getting trying to get a little bit more tactful around how does this impact our habits? How do we actually codify rest if we believe in it theologically, philosophically, but where the rubber meets the road is really in our calendars, right? Let's pull up our Google calendar. Let's look at it. Is there a white space? And what does it look like for us to, in many ways, simplify our lives down to the essentials. And I think where we came at it, especially for groups who've been wrestling with some of these principles for a while, is that people need a plan. They need a plan for the philosophical to be codified in their day-to-day. And that's really what a rule of life is. I mean, this thing, it goes back to the sixth century. You know, there are some famous ones out there, but I like Pete Scazzaro's working definition for a rule of life. There's, There's several but he defines it as an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do, right? So rule of life can be a non-spiritual thing, but really it, it's, it's meant through the lens of faith. How do we keep God at the center of everything and really step into our purpose, knowing that we're finite and there's only so many hours in a day? There's an article by Jeremy Lineman who says, you know, skip, skip New Year's resolutions, essentially, and make a rule of life. And he really paints a, a picture of what happens to us when we don't have something like this in place. He says, when we lack a consistent and thoughtful way of doing life well, we end up distracted and overwhelmed by life and our spiritual and emotional growth plateaus. Few of us want to take this approach to life, but it just seems to happen. And so we wind up scattered, hurried, reactive, and exhausted. And I think that honestly paints such a clear picture of the leaders that we work with. They don't want to be each of those things, but they just feel like it's life is just happening to them. And so in many ways, fighting for margin is a way to kind of take back ground to make sure that we are centering ourselves on the things that are absolutely essential for us in our life and in our leadership. Yeah, I mean, 
we can have good intentions. And I think, you know, we talk about this, that we leave with more questions and answers from our, our just leadership groups and they're, they're the right questions. But if, if we don't have real application and intentionality around the things that we're talking about and put it into some sort of plan, then these are just pie in the sky ideas that never matter. And when it comes to margin, it just, it's elusive. It gets away from us. We become so reactive instead of being proactive that the idea of having space to be able to, to step back, lead well, and think through, think, here I go with my words, think strategically. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly strategically. Yes. Yeah. About how we lead and invest in our people, then we won't have a good plan to do that. Hmm. Does he think yeah. about this with the leaders that we work with who are convinced this is something that they need? Where do they even start? Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's where I'm excited to take the conversation today because hopefully if, if through our podcast episodes where we've already talked about this, where we're saying, hey, I'm in, I want to do this. There's a heart to do it, but how? Can we really unpack the how? And I think this will look different. For, for every leader specific to their life and their circumstances and where they are in their leadership. But I think there are some principles that we've gone through. We, we put together a, a six part training that really breaks down the acronym of thrive, which you know we've alluded to in, in our very first series we did on our podcast. Right. And when it comes to our health specifically in that health session, we unpack some, some uh, a couple of helpful frameworks around time management because some of this gets down to even just, are we making good decisions with how we spend our time? And there's one thing that I want to stay busy because I, I feel like I need, I get my identity from work and I can't stop. There's other just practical tools to make sure that we're being efficient in the limited amount of hours that we have every day. And so three of them specifically that we unpack, one is the 80-20 rule, which is this concept of, you know, do you know what 20% of what you do leads to 80% of your impact? And then 80% of what you do is only leading to 20% of impact and driving towards results. And we asked that question of leaders in that training, do you know what's in each of those boxes? Do you know what is on your list of what takes only 20% of your time, but leads to moving the needle towards that 80%? And mm-hmm. then do you know what takes up 80% of your time, but is only moving the needle 20% of the impact? Simply just doing a little time audit in your leadership, which I would argue mm-hmm. is not just a set it and forget it, but like doing this regularly, especially as circumstances change on your team or in your leadership, do you know what's in each of those boxes? That can That's a really helpful exercise. A derivative of that is something called the three R's. They are requirement, return, and reward. So first, what is required of you, right? Every role has non-negotiables, things that you can't delegate. Do you know what those are? The things you have to do. Second is return, which is, what are you great at? Where are you seeing results? Where are people praising you for the, the work that you're doing? And where do you see yourself getting more responsibility because of the return you're seeing on the work that you're doing? Because it's really moving the needle. And then third, what do you see as rewarding? What, what do you consider you get to do? Not you have to do in requirement, but what do I get to do? What, what is fulfilling for you personally and professionally that really gives you energy in your work. And I think that's another audit of time. You could use those three as a category of 
what, what am I required to do? Where am I seeing return? And where am I seeing reward? And then finally, something that's been around for a long time, the Eisenhower matrix, right? Urgent and important, kind of that two by two grid. Of, do you know what is urgent and important? What's not urgent, but important? What's important, but not urgent, right? And what's neither? And just really being able to have a firm grip for each of those things, you know, because if it's urgent and important, you should do it right away. If it's important, but not urgent, then let's decide when I'm going to do it at a later time. If it's not important, but urgent, maybe for someone else, I need to figure out how I can delegate that. And then finally, if it's neither, maybe you just don't do it at all. <laughs> maybe it just goes away and just gets deleted. And I think some of this goes back to when you think about margin, simply just doing the using one of these tools or all of them, whichever one seems to be a good fit for you, just to see if we can free up some space. Because I, I found that you know leaders really take busyness as a badge of honor. You know, sometimes the worst thing a leader can feel like when they're trying to coordinate a time is, hey, I'm free. I'm, when, when do you want to meet versus, you know, three months out because I'm, I'm so important. We equivocate our importance with busyness. But typically, as you elevate and grow in leadership and kind of work yourself up into, into greater roles of influence within your company or you're hiring more and more people and you're overseeing more and more people, a leader really needs to make this important shift from doing the work themselves to doing it through their people. And so there should be then some natural margin that you're creating because you're maybe not doing the work you used to do that's creating space for you to really shift, like Truett Cathy talks about, from being a market doer to a thought leader, which I think is a really hard shift for leaders to make because it can feel unproductive to have this space in their calendar, but it's really necessary. Yeah, I can't tell you how helpful that was for me during my time of leadership and my <clears throat> and my work with Jobs for Life prior to eleven ten leadership of just routinely going through that exercise of identifying what I need to do that I need to keep doing, what I'm doing now that I need to stop doing, what I'm not doing that I need to start doing, what I need to delegate to others that others can do, and what I just need to completely put a, put aside. <clears throat> and I found that to be an exercise that I needed to do almost, if not monthly, at least quarterly, not just annually, because you can just get so caught up in the weeds that if you're not stepping back to do that exercise, then you can have things on your plate that are just unnecessary and eliminate the opportunity for you to have margin. I love this quote to build off what you just said about working through others by Reed Hastings, who's the Netflix CEO. I take pride in making as few decisions as possible, as opposed to making as many as possible. Sometimes I can go a whole quarter without making any decisions. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's creating a sense in your employees that if I want to make a difference, I can make a difference. So here's someone who's clearly thinking about how he leads through others. And by doing that, there's tremendous amount of trust that he has to have in his employees. He has to make sure his employees are equipped in order for them to be able to take on those responsibilities. It's really neat to see how that then enables them to have purpose by him doing that. Mm. And then the byproduct is margin. 
for him. What leader yeah. can say, I go a whole quarter without making any decisions? It's wild. It's, it's, <laughs> pretty, it's wild. pretty radical, but it, honestly, it's inspiring because the way he finishes that sentence, right, is this sense of how it empowers your people. And I know I can, I can hear our clients and our group members, David, echoing in my ear, but you don't know my situation, you know, but David, but Rob, I wish I could do this. My team isn't in a place where I can let them, either that they're new or, you know, I don't trust them. Or honestly, I'm struggling with even their work ethic and performance. I need them to, to step it up. I wish I could give them more, but they're not even doing great with the work that they have now. And I think to that audience, I would say every situation is specific. That might be true of your situation. Keyword on might. But that doesn't negate the need for margin and the need for this to be the goal. Because really, that those, those are two different sides of the same coin with this. And that's we're going to go there next time in our episode next week. So people can hold on. We're, we're going we're gonna to be examining the other side of this when it comes to how do we you know, create the conditions on our team to even make that type of delegation possible and how do we address underperformance on our teams by asking the right questions. So I would just ask, give us a little bit of margin in this conversation because we're taking it there eventually. Yeah, for sure. And that's huge because I would say that's the biggest issue when we get to this conversation that I just don't feel like my employees are operating at the level they need to. <clears throat> and there are a lot of then questions and decisions that have to be made when that's the case. So stay mm -hmm. tuned. Looking forward to that conversation. Now, we talk a lot about rest plans with our groups. We require everyone who goes through a just leadership group to have a rest plan. How would you describe the role of a rest plan in building and protecting margin. Yeah, we, this is probably my, my favorite part of the conversations around thrive when it gets to our health and the importance of rest. We talked about before, you know, another Pete's Cazero uh, golden quote of making that shift from resting from our work to working from our rest, right? Working from a posture of deep soul rest. And I think the rest plan simply, similar to a rule of life, just kind of helps give language and, and habit to this idea around protecting margin by coming up with a list that is not just around increasing efficiency. Because if we just stop the conversation around time management, I just think it falls short. This has to be more holistic. And so encouraging our people, you, know, you and I, we share our rest plans with the leaders that we coach because we want to you know, them to see examples of you need to have multiple bullet points in here that are both, you know, that are rhythmic, right? What are the daily rhythms you're going to be doing? How is this going to show up weekly, monthly, yearly? Because those things all help with our own, you know, to use the spiritual word, formation, you know, but the, the unspiritual word is just, just simply habits. This has to show up in our habits and those habits reinforce each other. The small ones make the big ones possible. So you've shared about your sabbatical. There are some leaders we work with that desperately need to take a sabbatical. But honestly, we can't build that up as the be all to end all. And that's going to solve all problems. Because honestly, if you're not taking regular breaks that are happening weekly, if you're not unplugging from work every night and you have a different relationship with your phone and technology on a weekly basis, then simply unplugging for an extended sabbatical, probably A, is never going to happen. But B, if you just go back to it, 
you're going to, you're going to revert really quickly back to your old ways. I think you have to approach this from every angle. And I think the rest plan helps you to do that by incorporating rhythms that form habits that really then change behavior. But then I think it also is building margin is both what you need to reduce and simplify, but then also creating space for what do you need to add? Because sometimes David, it's as simple as our leaders what would be the best thing that could transform their leadership is to get a hobby. Like what do you do that has nothing to do with your work that you just love to do, but just activates another part of your mind and soul that allows you to then re-enter work being the best version of who God made you to be and, and gives you clarity. Sometimes, you know, we allude this all the time, but the best ideas you can get on a run or doing a carpentry project or going fishing and just hitting that reset. It can't just be about what we're margin. Can't just be about what we're reducing. It also has to be what we're adding that is life giving that then helps to reinforce all of what we're talking about. Yeah. And just like a real life, the the rest plan is meant for us to become, have this become who we are, not just what we do it becomes a normal part of our rhythm. And like you said, if, if it's not a rhythmic pattern, if it's just a one-off here and there, then it doesn't become who we are. We want to wire ourselves for this so that it just is, is natural. So how does margin then intersect, intersect with what it means to be a just leader? It's kind of intimidating to get that question from someone who wrote a book on the topic, you know, and then I'm, I'm, I'm here trying well, to answer this it. Well, this is a moment where we can see if I'm investing in our, in our employees <laughs> and, I can tr- and I can trust you. <laughs> Or are okay. you gonna are, right. are you gonna underperform? <laughs> Man, what a no pressure, right? What a loaded question here. My no, my, I, mar- I my margin my margin is resting on your answer. I love this question. This this is where the conversation needs to go, and and has to go, honestly, for our own thriving, right? Because that that's what you say in the book. You know, the road to justice and the road to thriving are one, and. Oftentimes, the way that you see margin talked about, you know, outside of the lens of faith is really kind of comes down to self-improvement, self-help, right? Project self, and it's really internally focused. And I think what you unpack in your book so beautifully and what we do in our groups and in our coaching is ultimately the path to thriving, your own thriving, is when you really have an outward orientation. And so even though margin can feel like a selfish move, It is something around self-care that really helps us take care of ourselves so that we can continue to run that race of outward orientation sustainably for a long time. And so that that applies to concepts like gleaning, right? When we get to this, the way build-in margin is not just so that we can take better vacations, right? But actually so we can work in principles that are part of God's economic plan laid out in Scripture, around the concept of gleaning, leaving margin, even in our, on our budgets for our companies, what are we doing to be able to take, not go to the edge of the field, right? And, and, and use, maximize all the hundred percent, but how do we stop short and maybe go 90, 93, 95% and draw a line to say, this is how we're going to reinvest the rest in our people, in our community, so that we can build towards our cities rejoicing. Right. And I think that that, that is really important is that it's not, it doesn't stop and end with ourselves because honestly, when you try to do it that way, it sours 
the only way you really can flourish is when you pursue and fight for margin for the sake of others. One of the clients we're working with right now has a, a real desire to be a blessing to their city. But right now, currently, their, their revenue numbers aren't really making it feasible right now. They don't really have a lot of financial margin that would enable them to you know, have enough profits to kind of sew back into their community in creative ways. And so I think that that, that is another part of this conversation as well, is that in order to have margin and remain competitive, you've got to be really good at what you do. You've actually got yeah. to be better than, than most because by definition, right, you are taking away what other people kind of have as a safety valve of, hey, we're going to take these margins, we're going to keep them and stow away for a rainy day or our emergency fund as a, as a business, right? If you're going to kind of open up that churn to say, hey, money in and money out generously, we're going to be sowing in the city's rejoicing. That's going to be a riskier move, which means you need to be excellent with the 93% if 7% is going out the door because your competitors are keeping that 7%, right? And mm-hmm. and utilizing it, right? So I think that it, it, it kind of opens up this idea of what do we do to remain competitive? It means you've got to really, really be excellent. And we've unpacked that in previous episodes too of the importance of being operationally efficient and proficient to really even make margin possible which is kind of back when we were talking about personally around time management, just played out at a corporate level. Coming off the reading of my book out loud the last three days, I'm just amazed at how, I don't know if, let me, let me say this again. Coming off reading my book out loud for the last three days, we ask a lot of leaders in, in this book. I was pretty overwhelmed to think about what it means to be a just leader. And it can be paralyzing to to understand what it truly means to be world-class. Because that example of what you just said, you just got a simple, most people just are trying to run a business just to survive, yeah. Yeah. much less be just. And what we're asking people to think about to go to another level of leadership and outcomes and a broader view of success can be seen as pie in the sky or just unattainable. But I'm thankful for the ways we wrestle with these things and know that being on the journey is more significant than the outcome. And I'm hopeful by the time people get to the end of the book, there's a significant amount of peace and encouragement with steps forward. But as we think about this, what would you say is the bottom line? Mm. We think about margin we talk again about what it means to be world-class, we talk again about how we invest in our people and lead through them. Rob, this is your first bottom line. Let's see what you got. Well, we talked earlier about this idea of kind of the landscape of leadership. Leaders are scattered, hurried, they're reactive, and they're exhausted. So really what I'm hearing you say is what does it look like to move towards being focused, unhurried, proactive, and restful. I'm like, man, that's a vision that I think every leader wants. Like, yeah, show me how to get there, but they don't know how to get there. And I would say the bottom line, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig deep here. I'm gonna quote the great General George Patton, 
You didn't bet you didn't see that coming, David. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't quote a lot of military leaders on this podcast, but I do love this one. This has come up in our conversations with the, the rule of life with our groups. He says that a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. And I think that really hits home with this conversation around margin because we can use the whole, this is pie in the sky excuse to not really do anything and not really make any change because my situation is really hard. And it honestly could be really hard, but I think we want to avoid this myth that oftentimes is in the background around margin that we're going to build that once we get to X, right? Fill in the blank. Once we get to this amount of revenue, we're going to, I'm going to start to do better at this, or we're going to start to reinvest our profits. But once we get to a little bit more of a cushion, and honestly, I just don't think that that plays out because this is about habits and our habits form us. I would say the bottom line is really finding ways, whatever your situation, to practice these principles right where you are. Because even the tiniest of habits function like interest in that they compound over time to have incredible impact if we give it the chance. That's great. Yeah. So think of that one step. What are you going to take? Could be just doing that exercise that we talked about earlier. What Mm. I start doing, stop doing, what I delegate, what are ways in which I can invest in my people? What's a hobby I can pick up? So one thing that will get us rolling on a plan that's more proactive and intentional. Mm. All right. I'm excited about next week because we really need to talk about how this dovetails when we feel like our employees are not performing at the level that we need them to perform. And that certainly impacts the way we think about margin. So looking forward to being together again. Yeah, go go on a silent retreat, David. Rest those vocal cords and come back come back ready to go. You know, I, I'm ready to be off the hot seat and yes. ready to put you back on it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Rob. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals 11, then spelled out T-E-N, leadership.com. That's 11-T-E-N, leadership.com. There, you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.